Before we begin today's episode, we would like to thank our sponsors. Without them, this podcast would not be possible at all. Swanshaw. They are the finest purveyors of kitchen units and shop fronts alike in the UK. So, if you need a brand new kitchen or a new shop front, consider visiting Swanshaw. You can find them on Instagram under the handle of at Swanshaw. Spill Digital. Are you currently in marketing mayhem? Need to give your marketing matrix a makeover? Is it all a bit of a mess? Look no further than the fabulous Chloe, founder and entrepreneur of Spill Digital. She'll make your mundane marketing magic again. You can find her on Instagram under at Spill Digital, or you can check out her website, spilldigital.co.uk. Now to today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Therapy Files. We are finally back. It's been a very long time, hasn't it, Callum? Yeah, I mean, you were nearly categorically dead. So I know. Welcome I know. back, Count. Yeah, thank you. Blah blah. <laughs> Does that make me Renfield? I don't know. You don't know Renfield, is the? I mean, yes, he's, he's the psychiatric patient. No, isn't he in, in Dracula? Is he? I thought he was Dracula's assistant. Oh, is he? I no, Dracula's he's Dracula's Unless he was psychiatric patient. He's definitely Dracula's assistant. I'm not Could be. That. There's a film coming out anyway, isn't there, about it soon? So we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. Awesome. Nicky, Nicky Cage plays Count. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. that'd be good. Yeah. Bram Stoker. Oh, we have to go and see that. Anyway, vampires aside, <laughs> we have frankenstein himself on the podcast here i'm joking we have my dear friend calvin i have to say dear because he's on here and i love him very much on here to talk about fitness and mental health hello calvin are you okay hello i'm very well how are you guys i'm really well thank you how are you doing sir about 90 percent alive so yeah i'm i'm good i'm here i'm alive good i'm glad you're alive. slightly anemic but i'm okay <laughs> need some blood don't you yeah <laughs> Sorry guys, I'll get off the vampire puns as we, as we start on. It's, uh, it's not the best points I've ever made. Love you. Absolutely love you. <laughs> Do you bloody love me? Yes. Right, I'm going to stop now because it's getting ridiculous and I bet people are going to turn off. So, How many vampire puns can you get in one episode? Probably quite a lot, to be honest, so don't, don't tempt me. <laughs> so, fitness and mental health. Calvin, what do you think? Before we go into all the, I guess, the, the references and things behind that, what do you think about this straight off the bat as a physio, as a training physiotherapist, as a qualified PT? Where are we going? Yeah, so I think fitness health is very important for absolutely everybody. It doesn't matter if you are differently abled. It doesn't matter if you are missing limbs. You know, physical activity is something that we all must do to maximize our health. Mm. It's an absolute must, you know. Yes. Things can be adapted for different people, but we must all exercise to the best of our ability. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a really good point. And in terms of Calvin, with with fitness and mental health, I, mean, I know and obviously training and physiotherapy right now, but I suppose you're probably yeah. more exposed to it with, with when you did your PT stuff. And I know you do dip in, in and out of that sort of thing. Is that something you see quite a lot? Do you, do you see kind of improvements with exercise and mental health? Is it something that you see come up quite a lot, or is, is it something not frequently mentioned as much? Or yeah, so there's two sides to this coin. Obviously. Uh, um, physical activity and exercise can improve our mental uh, health it can make us feel better about ourselves if not through the exercise alone which i've already seen in your notes exercise releases dopamine which makes us feel good and helps us regulate our moods for one but also the secondary effects of exercise you know being able to do more things with our body 
you know anyone's got kids being able to play with your kids more is a fantastic thing something i can attest to myself and also weight loss as well if that is one of your goals you know that in itself can make you feel better but then you've got the flip side to this coin as well it can make us hyper focus on our goals so again if it's weight loss you find people fixate to those scales very easily and then if they put on, let's say, a pound of weight after having a sandwich for lunch, then they can hyperfixate on that and become very depressed very quickly, you know. So there are two sides to this coin. I think there are some toxic viewpoints in social media, which, again, jump on the scales every single day. Make sure you record your weight. Through my own activities, I've seen weight loss groups. I won't name names, but some weight loss groups can be very judgmental of people putting on weight i had one case where i put on a bit of muscle and i got shamed for it when i jumped on the scales at this weight loss class so it's yeah. not fat fighters from little britain is it well it could have been <laughs> you would fit in there buddy <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah two sides to the same coin there absolutely no i think it's a really good point i think you i think you nailed it carl and i think there's something about as well isn't there that particularly with the, with the current culture we have around fit i think it's great that by the way more people than ever are going using gyms and we're all a lot more active and stuff like that but you know you talk about social media but even gyms themselves we were talking about this the other day weren't we can be very toxic places as well absolutely and there's, there's some of the and obviously i mean it's with total respect to people some of the worst kinds of people go to gyms don't they we said you know you said you highlighted that yeah absolutely it's it is one of those things that you're going to find the negatives and the positives here. There's there's not anything on earth, to my knowledge, that is just positive with no negative. Yeah. You know, just look at medicine, for example. Medicine can do some brilliant, brilliant things, but with that comes side effects, which can be negative, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And this, this, this isn't a new thing, is it? I think, you know, I, I very as we start off quickly going through this, Hippocrates in 4, 460 to 377 BC said, walking is a man's best medicine. People don't know, Hippocrates was a famous Greek um, physician. He's still very renowned even to this day for the groundbreaking work he did surrounding people's health, people's fitness, and obviously the, the body itself. Is he oh, a ableist? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, that being thing, I, think, I don't think Hippocrates was... Uh, <laughs> I think we give him a free pass on this one <laughs> but it's a good point though playing definitely it's a good it's a good point hippocrates could have been sabers yes mm-hmm. and, and ableist and all the other things in between mm-hmm. yeah. indeed um so at, as early as 1985 scholars have been associating the link between physical activity and mental well-being i imagine that came carbon at the closure probably the asylums you know coming from a, a mental health perspective i imagine it was more kind of for a while people as, as you know craig from what we spoke about uh cohen's work didn't we um, Moral panic. Mor- moral panic. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there was the um, thingy Asylum's book as well uh, from Goffman. Goffman, who kind of said that kind of the term people were institutionalised for so long with mental health problems. And I imagine as we've realised that people can be reintegrated back into society, that need for fitness and getting them out there and active has become more prevalent. What do you think about that? I agree. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Taylor et al, ironically, Taylor, um, argue that um, psychological disorders take precedence from the public health sector. There are calls to suggest that exercise has direct correlation with physical, psychological improvement and physiological improvement, which is something you said as well, didn't you, Calvin? Which I think kind of speaks to himself. Uh, do you want to read the next one, buddy? Sure. Oh, that one. Yeah. So, Sharma et al, 2006, suggests that physical exercise improves emotional well-being, reducing the impacts of depression, anxiety, and low mood. Regular exercise can increase cognitive function and self-esteem. 
Can you verify that is correct, Carl? Particularly cognitive function and self-esteem, which would you notice that, Carlton, as well? People getting more kind of more stronger in the mind in terms of like, yet also feeling good about themselves as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is more anecdotal uh, relating to myself and actually my fiance as well. But I find when, especially as a student, if I don't exercise, my cognitive function starts to decline which it has done recently because I haven't been exercising as much recently. But in the past kind of week or two, I've been picking up my exercise again and I'm finding I'm able to focus on things more. My self-esteem, that's gone up as well because I feel, yeah, I can actually do stuff, you know. But I think one important thing to mention there is, in fact, I'll leave it for later because you've got a point that I want to come back to. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no problem. I'll come back I was going to say to you, Carlin, then quickly just to, just to ask you a question because you've been very much, I know you won't mind mentioning, you've been very much on all sides of fitness, haven't you, Carlin? You've been very Absolutely. much on one side where you've been at peak fitness, then you've gone to the other side where you've had children in your life and that's changed things and things have come. Hello there and welcome back after this unexpected intermission where we have a technical issue. Maybe the AI is interfering with us again. Um, so anyway, Carlin, so back to what I was saying to you, we talked about kind of both levels of fitness that you've been on, talking about you and your partner. What was it you were saying, sorry? So going back to what we were saying about kind of when I wasn't exercising, my cognitive function was reduced. And now that I am exercising again, I'm finding that I'm much more able to focus. Self-esteem has gone up because I feel, again, yes, I can do things. And again, my fiance has had very similar effects from exercise when we were exercising together. It's lovely to hear some positive experiences of exercise. Personally, I haven't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with exercise making you feel positive. Um, okay, that's my own, that's my own frame of reference, and I am, I'm open to being converted by you. So, <laughs> not in a judgmental way. I'm just curious simply because I feel exhausted Oh, rather than I don't get that endorphin of like, yeah, that was amazing. I I, I just get that feeling of that was really exhausting. Uh, okay. But yeah. So, yeah. So it, it's worth noting that some people with certain conditions remind me, what, what is it that you are? I have cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy. That's the one. Yes. So, any sort of condition like that, any kind of neurological impairment. Such as depression or anxiety? Yeah, even even anxiety and depression, you know. Any sort of affliction can cause exercise to be a bit more troublesome in the fact that... Right, so our body has its own kind of energy demands and its own energy reserves. If we were to sit down all day and do nothing, our body will acclimatise to that and get used to that, okay? Now, anybody with any kind of affliction is going to find that trying to increase their energy demand through exercise is going to find that more difficult. Okay. Anybody that requires sort of... Do you do any sort of activity management so managing your activities in such a way so that you don't feel fatigued uh yes frequently yeah i do a lot of computer work so i often have to take breaks but i also do uh weightlifting as well okay great so you need to get back into that after my illness but uh yeah yeah so again just take your time with it you know you, you, you're already familiar with this idea that you've got to kind of plan your activities so you're not hitting a wall all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and 
exercise is great for trying to kind of increase your tolerance of <laughs> any sort of activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, in the short term, it can be, I don't want to say painful, but it can be disruptive. Okay. If that makes sense. So what I'm getting at here is that you tire out easier because you've increased your energy demands. You, you've got the same reserve and you've just pushed that boundary a little bit past. So now you've got to wait longer to recover. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's about doing it in bite-sized chunks rather than pushing yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the same goes for most people. You know, there are certain athletes out there that can literally just go hell to leather and absolutely smash every kind of record going yeah. through just kind of overtraining. But eventually, they will hit some sort of burnout. Mm-hmm. But they're adapted in such a way that they don't get that burnout as quickly as the rest of us do. Yeah, that makes mm. sense. Like, a lot of it can be genetic. That makes sense. Carl, when you said that we were speaking about it the other day, some people are biologically designed different as well, aren't they? Yeah, so I'm not particularly schooled in this area, but I know there are ideas and theories that our biological makeup, our DNA, plays a, a massive role in our ability to perform exercises at different levels. That makes, mm. that makes complete sense now. And I guess I guess kind of off what we were saying there is physical activity releases endorphins in the brain which lift mood and bring the body into a calmer state. That's Anderson and Shivu Kumar, which I hope I've not butchered that name, in 2013. Endorphins are neurosignals transmitted by the brain by the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus. Endorphins negate pain and increase physical and emotional well-being. There's been an issue in translating physical activity into more serious mental health disorders. This is something that's quite common, actually. People with more serious illnesses, people almost sort of think yeah. that they can't exercise, which is a very toxic thing in the mental health culture, ironically. And maybe in the, the fitness one as well. Likely due to the barrier between patients and mental health practitioners, which is is, is very common. And we, you know, we spoke about and that's by Shu and Van Camfort, 2021. And I think that kind of touched on what you said carbon about doctors didn't you i don't know if you want to talk about a little about the over prescription side of things what you found in terms of the medication right so th- this is a difficult thing to address that's what the podcast is about here for and it's not about yes, it's not it about is. shaming it's not about shaming mental health medication it's more a point that you're bringing that's that's valid you know? yeah so how do i address this now without coming across in a negative light so i think sometimes it can be easier to take a medication for something as opposed to coming back to our foundations and addressing those foundations mm-hmm. if okay. that makes sense mm-hmm. so we all have we've all got these basic rules don't we shower daily brush your teeth twice a day eat three meals a day all these kinds of things exercise frequently but how often is frequently we all get told exercise frequently how often is frequently can you answer that is that not different for everybody therefore frequency is a subjective thing okay he's done a spanner in my thought process there but i accept it isn't it yeah so again that comes to what we were just discussing craig with your (laughs) uh, activity management so you're not you know you're spacing your activities appropriately But the guidelines for the general population, I'll come back to this a bit more later, Mm. but it's about 150 minutes of kind of cardio cardio workouts. So running, walking, jogging, cycling, you know, that sort of thing. So that can be broken down into 30 minutes a day. 
mm-hmm. of just walking. Mm-hmm. But what I'm getting at here is this is a guideline that's ask any personal trainer, they should know the answer to that. But if you ask the general public, it, it means frequently once or twice a week, mm. three to five times a week. They don't really know. Do, do you mm. understand what I'm getting at here? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think, Carl, that's a problem with it? Not, I'm not digging out your professional fitness, but that's a problem with the fitness thing. Maybe people should be coming in more and educating people. Just our curiosity. So going off my own sort of anecdotal evidence, I don't think there's enough education on that front in schools. Right. Okay. We've, we all do physical education. Yeah. We all do. In in England, it's PE. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I found going through PE, it was more about just doing stuff. Let's go and play football. Let's go <laughs> and play rugby. Let's go play tennis. Let's go run. Let's go do a triple jump. All those kind of things. It's learning how to do those things. But from my memory, 30 minutes, five times a week, nobody actually tells you you should exercise five times a week for 30 minutes cardiovascularly, you know, running, jogging, whatever. You should do two times a week strength training, two times a week stretching at least. That's kind of your minimum, at least in terms of the um, ACSM guidelines. That's the American College of Sports Medicine. Um, if you didn't know, I didn't. I, didn't. Actually, no, I, didn't. I consider myself educated. I do, me as well. So, antipsychotics and antidepressants are the most common form of pharmaceutical intervention for mental health. Although these are proven to have some success historically, their long term prevalence is now being questioned. Many cause low libido, blood pressure problems, weight increase, and addiction. Primary interventions, such as hospital stays, have also shown no long-term improvement in patients. And that's Ostro et al. 2017. However, in a more recent study of young people from six separate UK high schools, Bill et al. 2009, found that mental improvement from participants whom took partook in regular physical activity so it's not always clear. Yeah. In that sense. But you'll see that. Oh, it showed no improvement. Yeah, that's what you mean, It showed no no improvement or little in 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 mental um they showed little mental improvement. Yeah. What do you think about that one, Calvin? Do you think what do you think about that study? Do you think it was just a one off or Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you were addressing the um the last point there, however, more recently. A more recent study of young people from six separate UK high schools. That's it, the Bell et al. one, 2019, which I know you have a have something to say on that, don't you? So I'm very interested to hear what you want to say. Yeah, so, um, yeah, dead quickly on that one. So I had a quick read of that, and the study shows that exercise showed, quote-unquote, no strong evidence that physical activity is a protective factor for mental well-being. However, increased activity volume can decrease emotional problems okay mm-hmm. okay unquote <laughs> this can boil down to stress and tolerance levels like i was talking to you before about sort of you've got to manage your activity levels this goes for all of us if we if i was to go out tomorrow and run a marathon the next i don't know 48 hours maybe 72 hours i am going to feel absolutely rotten because i've not trained for it i've not acclimatized to that level of activity and my body is absolutely done you know i suppose what i'm getting at here is these high school kids have they raised these tolerance levels to actually kind of facilitate the extra exercise that they're doing i couldn't gather from the study there how much they had increased exercise if at all mm-hmm. 
I don't know if it was just a case of, right, okay, we're going to gather the data from these students and find out how much activity they're doing. And then off that, find out who's got kind of any mental health issues compared to, you know, in highly active students versus lowly active students. And then another few things to consider. These students even want to exercise in the first place or are they just being forced to exercise? <laughs> that could be in the form of a commute to and from school. It could be in the form of extracurricular activities that maybe their parents have pushed on them you know it could be the PE they don't really like playing football they love tennis but during this study they did one week of football and then the rest was tennis and rugby and stuff mm -hmm. you know so did they actually enjoy the activities that they were doing yeah. there's a few things to address there that I don't think the study actually looked into yeah I mean, it could be argued, though, to be fair, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just deliberately throwing curveballs at it. could be a point, though, that usually when a person does take part in a study, it's usually because they want to. Normally, participants have to go through, like, a consent phase, if that makes any sense. So they might not have been, by the way. You might yeah. be absolutely right, but there is that to consider. Because, like, as I know myself, I'm doing two. Um, I had to get consent from participants. And of course. From children, I had to get consent with their parents. So there usually yeah. is, just to be fair, but... You never know. They could, they could, the schools could have forced them. It's, it's not, it's not under the realms of possibility. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know enough about this study to yeah. give a full conclusion, yeah. but I will underline the fact that increased activity volume decreases emotional problems. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think and we can all it. agree on that, can't we? Yeah. So this is what I was uh, getting at earlier. You know. These are our foundations. Physical activity are one of the things human beings are meant to, they're meant to do. Yeah. You know, we're meant to be physically active. We have not evolved to sit at a desk all day. Yeah. And without being funny, a lot of kids sit at a desk all day learning. It's very much a cultural thing now, isn't it? It's very much a culture. I think there's something to be said now about kind of the, the systems we, we work in, isn't there? And we're, we're not as... I suppose there are some jobs that are, they like manual labour and things like that who are, who are course, quite active. Yeah. But generally, most of the jobs we do now are all designed in offices, aren't they? And like that's why now things are having to bought out things like specialised chairs for people because people now yeah. have like back problems. And I remember when I worked for the AP company on the, on the suicide lines, people had to have standing desks as well yes. so so it's not we're clearly not supposed to be physically designed to be that or if we are it's a very short period of time isn't it sitting down it's not for the length yeah. that we are doing i will say yeah. that we also have standing desks at the council oh do you however i am unable to benefit from them <laughs> i would be i would be rather amazed if that, that occurred that would be that would be unbelievable i know <laughs> <I'm a miracle. laughs> Can you stand props up, Craig? We did discuss this one before, but I can't remember. Um, you did speak about this, didn't we? Maybe when I was younger. When you were younger. Probably I, could, I, could, I can't remember. I remember I remember having a conversation and you said to me, definitely said at some point in your life, you were able to yeah. somewhat stand both if you have to be yeah. against something. Unfortunately, my muscles, as, as they are now, Calvin will probably understand this term more than I did. The surgeon, when he last looked at them, which was years and years ago, because uh, I was discharged from children's services, he said, your muscles are fibrotic. Yeah. So... so that means they're sinewy and there's there's no material in them, effectively. I think. Yeah, so fibrotic mm. tissue is basically fibrous tissue, which is not at all like the tissue you want there. It's just a kind of connective tissue that's been put in there to fill the gap. It's almost like, I don't know, trying to cover an elastic band with tape. Doesn't really work very well, does it? Not really. And this this is kind of our body's 
it's our body trying to fix itself, but mm-hmm. sometimes as complex and as miraculous as our bodies are, doesn't always get things right, I'm afraid. Well, I think we used the, used the term, didn't we? Not, not about you or anybody with disabilities specifically. It was more, actually, I think it was more surrounding mental health problems, wasn't it? But uh, which we obviously we both have. Um, sometimes things go wrong at the factory. I believe that was uh, Johnson quote, quote, 2020, I believe that came out. Surely it was Jones. <laughs> you know, no, I definitely think it was Johnson. Jones is not getting cancelled <laughs> Johnson's quote. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote a poem about getting cancelled at the factory. I did actually. That's true. That's true. So it could have been me. It could have been. Just a record, guys. It was not about disability. Well, it was actually going to blab with the disability, but yes, yeah. I don't want to be cancelled. So please don't cancel me. No, I don't. Want to I feel like Callum has a fear of being. Canceled. I do. Everybody has a fear of being cancelled. Callum, come on. It's a horrible thought, isn't it? Like, it's cancel culture is vile. Like, literally. I mean, yeah. Like, I think you can't even express an opinion anymore, and I don't mean that in like <laughs> nice people, but it's like now that any any sort of kind of. Thing off the cuff is it's demonized beyond beyond repair isn't it almost i mean yeah it can feel that way i don't know what to say on the matter it's 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 one of those things that you kind of feel like you're not allowed your own opinion anymore yeah mm. uh, yes there are a lot of toxic opinions out there that you know maybe shouldn't be shared <laughs> keep them to yourself and i think it's just a case of respecting people isn't it but that goes the other way around as well it's not just a case of I hold this opinion, so I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's a it's it's a tough discussion to have, isn't it? Yeah, but it's yeah. definitely a conversation that needs to happen. No, definitely. Mm. Like, well, the, the thing is, cancel culture initially came. I'm not trying to digress, but it came from the far right anyway. So we need to have a conversation around that. Do you know what mm. I mean? That that's where that's where it originated from. So it's not great that the left have kind of pro, which I do consider myself a leftist, to have now took that on themselves mm-hmm. do you know what i mean so just go to the show anyway before i do get cancelled we'll go off we'll go on to the questions because i think that's really important in a new section called meet the guest we have <laughs> prepared questions for calvin which he is diligently going to answer so, so question one tell us a bit about yourself yeah so i'm calvin calvin williamson i was previously a personal trainer i'm now a physio student I'm also a special guardian of two lovely, lovely children. Special guardian is a bit like a foster parent, mm-hmm. in effect, but with extra responsibility and stuff like that. Of course, I have my f- lovely fiance that I've been with for nine years. I better get that right because you'll crucify me if not. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, yeah, that that's me. Excellent. Well, it's good to meet you, Calvin. Although we have met before in person. <laughs> Question two. What first got you interested in fitness? Yeah, so this, this there's a bit of a story there in that when I was at school, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was very much respected at school. And I wanted to better myself in a way that so people took me a bit more seriously. Okay. And the way I saw that happening was by becoming the tough guy. That never really materialised. I didn't have the sort of willpower and commitment, but it definitely got me started on fitness. I definitely started going to the gym four or five times a week, got myself in decent shape. And that's kind of what got me started. Bit of a toxic way to do it, but that's how I started. Or a response to, or response to emotional difficulties as well, which does, you know, sometimes yeah. about, we, we respond to things kind of head on sometimes, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I've been um, experiencing trauma in schools, mm, as uh, 
Mr. Jones could probably test you. Well, we went to the same high school, dude. We went to the same did, yeah. Did you? I yeah. didn't realize. Yeah. Were you there at the same time? Yeah, same year. Yeah. Right. Same that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was, uh, it, it was. you know, it's a very working class school, wasn't it, Carbon? And it was, if you were quiet or if you weren't kind of thing, it, it could be very much a, a feeding frenzy, couldn't it, I would, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I'm not going to say that I was bullied or tormented or anything like that. I just felt like I wasn't taken very seriously. That was it. You know? kind of, on the peripheral kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing serious there. No major concerns. Just I wanted to be taken a bit more seriously. Sure. That was sense. kind of it. I know you've had a very different experience, Callum. Of course, of course. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of on me and you, Carbon. You kind of had a, so not this in a violin way. I mean, it's more like I did have friends, but like you had more of a bigger friendship group, didn't you, Carbon? Which I think probably was probably made things a little bit not not easy but probably made things a little bit more bearable but i can understand what you mean because i remember kind of our year group i remember there were some very and i mean it's actually quite complimentary there were quite a lot of strong personalities there were they carbon and i think if you like i said before were a bit more quieter this doesn't even pertain to bullying or anything like that it's more like you probably will be down the pecking order in terms in terms of, of being taken seriously wouldn't you mm. you know what i mean yeah yeah I can verify that also happened in my high school as well. Right, they probably it's probably a common theme, you know, and I, you know because this isn't in my area of research and bullying, but in terms of kind of high school statistics and stature, I imagine it's a very common theme through most high schools that because you get people who go through high school, they're really popular, or you get people who are quite unpopular, or you get people in the middle kind of area where they just kind of go through school, don't they, Carvin? And you know they have a good group of mates, but they might not be the most popular, but they're not either the least. They're just kind of they're there and they exist and they do okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Question three. When did you first start seeing a connection between fitness and mental well-being? <laughs> so Callum, Callum knows some of this already, obviously being friends for many, many years. So I first started seeing a connection between fitness and mental well-being back after a breakup. I was going through a bit of a rough patch mentally and I thought, I'll just go hit the gym. And that's what I did. I really got kind of attached to the gym mm -hmm. so in that way it's kind of a toxic relationship if I didn't go to the gym I felt like rubbish you know but kind of after that me and my fiance now I go into the gym together we had a very positive relationship with the gym which kind of helped both of us it helped us with our fitness it helped us lose weight which was one of our goals at the time it helped me get stronger again one of my goals at the time but it also helps our relationship as well mm -hmm. because it meant that we both managed to drive towards our goals but we did it together yeah it's but, a bonding experience exactly exactly so we were able to go to the gym together we go off and do our separate things and then we reconvene play a game of tennis something like that go swimming something and yeah it just it helps our relationship massively yeah, it's very powerful and i think maybe carbon like also what we're highlighting here is the positive side of the gym and where it can be a comfort blanket it can be a safety safety place and that's the other thing is many people the gym's their safe haven it's where they feel safe you know i've spoken to many people who've been victims of domestic violence and they've been like just getting an hour in the gym it's just to get away from what was going on at home or people who were bullied you know just getting out there and using that it can be a very positive thing can't it you know absolutely there is the other yeah. side but we affect we with um, thing as well as something about escapism i think mm. Mm. absolutely and i think that's why a lot of people play video games isn't yeah it? oh definitely to escape from the reality of life and get involved in something that's that can be a bit more positive
definitely. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Put me through the you can do the next Which one. Which one you want? Oh, yeah. Uh, question four. So, Carvin, question four. Obviously, we are aware that you're now training as physiotherapist. What led to this next step? I was wondering before you do answer that. Was it anything to do, and I hope you don't mind mentioning it, if not, we'll edit it out completely, with what happened on your bike that time? I was wondering, was it anything to do with that? Because you had quite a recovery process, didn't you? Yes. So, okay, so context. Yeah. Don't worry yeah, so a bit of context for the listeners here. Back in 2012, I had a pretty nasty motorcycle accident where a driver came out of the road and hit me side on which ended up breaking. I got a very f- small fracture in the top of my tibia, which is one of your shin bones. Mm-hmm. And my ligament, a ligament is connective tissue, connecting bone to bone. The ligament pulled a chip of bone off. So that ligament was floating around along with the little bit of bone attached to the end. So sorry for any squeamish listeners here. Hey, with the stuff um, on this podcast, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> so yeah, I had that crash. I had to have two pins stuck into my knee to kind of make that a little bit better. But the ligaments of my knee were all stretched. Because of the surgery, I couldn't walk properly. And I had a bit of a recovery process there. It took me somewhere in the realm. It takes me back too far to remember properly but it's somewhere in the realm of three to six months before i was back to full activities and that includes getting back on a motorcycle again so were you nervous the first time you got back on a motorcycle 100 percent. yes i was a lot more cautious when i got back on the motorcycle mm-hmm. but it was one of those things it, i had a real passion for motorcycles i still do to this I day say you still do don't you agree yeah yeah uh, the difference being now obviously is i've got two children to look after so mm-hmm. putting myself in the fire li- firing line of potential accidents, it, it's a risk I'm not willing to take. And that's the thing, isn't it, Carvin? I know it's a digress, but it's not about motorcycles being unsafe. It's about idiots on the road, isn't it? Yeah, so one of, one of the common things I hear, I don't know the science around this, but one of the common things I hear is it's not the motorcyclist, it's the other drivers that you need to be watch out, watching out for. When people have concerns for me on a motorcycle, that's the first thing I hear. I'm not worried about you, I'm worried about everybody else. Because they're the ones that are going to hit you. Funny you should say that. When my mum was learning to drive, her driving instructor said to her, everybody else is the idiot, not you. It's everybody else on the road that's the problem. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there are a lot of people driving that perhaps shouldn't be driving. Mm -hmm. But who am I to judge? I, I'm I'm not part of the DVLA or anything like that. So. No, no. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you were saying, Carl. I've made you digress a little bit though about, about what made what led you to this next step. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, you are 100% right. When I had that accident, I had to go through physiotherapy, and after that, I had a very basic office admin job at the time, and I very much thought to myself, I want to. A, become a paramedic, but I'm not fond of blood, so that's out the window. Become a physiotherapist or something in that sort of realm somewhere. And I I ended up falling on physiotherapist. Now, obviously, I had a bit of a detour. I decided to become a personal trainer in the interim. That didn't quite get me to where I wanted to be. I didn't feel like I was educated enough in the human body, especially in the musculoskeletal realm. And I just I felt like it wasn't very productive for me to be a personal trainer. So I progressed on to physiotherapy to get 
better education. Mm-hmm. That, makes, that makes complete sense. It sounds like from what you're saying, you were correct about what you were saying as well. Like it probably needed to be a little bit more exploration on that and a little bit more research. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Question five, physical and mental well-being go hand in hand according to the theory. Have you found this while training as a physio? Yeah, so absolutely. Like I mentioned before, past couple of weeks I've been exercising again and 100% it's affected my focus. My focus levels are much better when I exercise than if I don't exercise. And that goes hand in hand for mood as well, if not directly again from endorphins, from exercise. It's from the secondary effects, the weight loss the being stronger, being able to do more in terms of activities of daily living, you know, all that sort of thing. So yes, physical and mental well-being going hand in hand as a physio, absolutely. Especially as a student physio. Uh, I had a side question. Just Yeah, go ahead. What kind of physio are you? Are you an adult physio or a child physio or a mix? It's mixed. The so in nursing, I believe you can go down adult nursing or pediatric nursing. Mm-hmm. Did I say nursing twice there, eh? or did I say physio? Anyway, uh, I digress. I meant nursing both times adult nurse and pediatric nurse. Whereas physio, on the other hand, because there's much less of us, you just become a physio, right? Interesting side note you could actually go on to equine physiotherapy after you've done your physiotherapy d- degree, which is obviously horses. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure it's something I would do. I could see the appeal. There's more money in it for certain. Sounds very stable. <laughs> like the oh, God. <laughs> hey, bagels of cash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't resist. It was just there. It does, it does sound like it provides some financial stability, though. I mean, it definitely would. Yeah. I mean, there's more money in it. Definitely very niche. Yeah. It's not. An area that I would personally like to go into, I don't think. No, of course. And question six, what tips do you have for people who are struggling mentally, excluding those who might have long-term mental health conditions, which may affect their ability to practice regular exercise? What, what, what I mean by that, Carwin, is I mean I mean people who are currently in crisis who wouldn't actually be physically able to to do exercise where they're, they're very poorly, basically, excluding those people who couldn't do it. Okay, so someone's in crisis, they are completely stressed out, don't bother, go relax, go and put your feet up, because at the end of the day, all you're going to do by exercising more is stress yourself out more. That's not what we want at this moment in time. In the this acute stage, you're going through a very high level of stress. And if we put more stress on you, you're not going to recover that well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think that would be kind of the only time I would say don't exercise. Or maybe if you're having maybe psychosis, maybe where you were obviously um, not, not, I mean, it's a total uh, respect, maybe not a sound mind, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, again, it's that kind of acute phase where you could very, very, very easily put yourself into a burnout. Yeah. You know, and if you're going through some sort of psychosis, you're just going to make matters worse. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, absolutely. No. What would you What would you be tips be for people then, Carbon, who who were able to able to um, to physically exercise with mental health problems? Yeah. So I wrote a few notes down there on this. Yeah. So yeah. I'll just cover a few of these. So low mood. For example, 
exercise is known as you've said before to release endorphins along with serotonin and norepinephrine and dopamine which all help regulate our mood now you can actually compound this with a bit of nature-based exercise as well if you have a local park now i'm talking parks with greenery flowers trees all that kind of stuff grass grass yeah you know anything natural sort of thing not a skate park where it's just pillars of concrete go for a walk jog if you want cycle if you're feeling very kind of motivated you could go for a swim in the local river i wouldn't advise it unless you know what you're doing people do but, recommend for us the, the uh, river swimming don't they and, and like so yeah. it's really good for you the, the temperature or something unless like you're wim hoffman wim hoffman yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean Listen, I, I've read Wim Hof's book. Wim Hof, Wim Hoffman. Have you? Uh, I can't remember. Is it any good? I thought it was really good, yeah. He's got some brilliant ideas in there mm-hmm. that seem to be backed up by evidence. Now, I've not actually delved into the evidence myself to kind of give my own clinical expertise on it, but uh, it seems like they've got some good stuff in there. And certainly on social media, people are seeing the benefits mm-hmm. of having ice baths, of doing the breath work that he does. And there's a couple other things that kind of evade me at the moment that he does as well. Yeah, this kind of cold baths, ice baths, showers, all that kind of thing. People use cryo chambers as well, don't they? Cryo chambers, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's very, that's becoming more and more prevalent yeah. in the sports industry. The benefits and, of cold, isn't it? Something, something about cold. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the idea is here that we're stressing the body beyond its current limits. Now, as we as we know, the more we build our tolerance, the more we do something, the more we build our tolerance to it. With cold, the stronger you become with dealing with this cold, the more tolerable you become with it, the less your body responds to stress. So this is the kind of basis because these ice baths and cold showers and all the rest of it, they're designed to stress your body out, like really, really stress your body out. The more you do that, the more your body acclimatizes and gets used to the stress levels. And so when your boss yells at you at work or you know, you're having a bit of a tiff with your partner, that stress becomes less and less. Now, no, sorry, it doesn't become less. The stress level is the same, but your tolerance has gone up. Yeah. So percentage-wise, it's less, not necessarily volume-wise, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's something I really want to yeah. try, a cryo chamber, Carl. I'm not too sure I could do an ice bath with me being neurodivergent. I think that would send me into sensory overload. But actually getting in, getting into an, a cryo chamber, knowing I'm stood there as they do it, thingy, I think I, think I could actually hack that. Um, I think uh, you have to pay to use them, though, don't you? I don't, I don't think you can just spawn in and uh, <laughs> spawn in like me the cryo chamber, please. Yeah, I oh, think... Spawn, is it? No, no, it's it's a high piece of tech. I think you have to sign uh, a declaration actually as well, don't you, before you, you go? will have to, yeah. 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 They are supposed to be really good for you though. Just need to freeze a couple of brain cells. Yeah, it's like that. Uh, <laughs> it's like them float, people use them float tanks, don't they, as well? They're supposed to be really good for you. You're not, well, they're more for yeah. the brain though, if you get what I mean. But apparently yeah. you lie in like a chamber and you, you think your ears submerged in water and it, you're just ambient basically and you lie there. Yeah. No yeah. So again, for you there, Callum. Um, I, I'm not in any way recommending this. I'm not saying no, no, you should no. or shouldn't do it. You know, get your advice from people that know what they're talking about here. Yeah. But what you could do is have a cold shower. Yeah, yeah. That's, a that's going benefit. to. It won't give you all the benefits, but it, it may give you some. Absolutely. Again, you know, speak to your physician, find out what's going on there. If it's not advised, 
then you've got to take your own kind of counsel and figure out what to do there. Absolutely. I'll prepare yeah. the cold water hose immediately. Thank you, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll stand there and be like, come on. <laughs> What's the next one, my friend? The next page. Uh, so the next question I've got for you, question seven. Those with disabilities, are there exercise programs that you would particularly recommend? You're welcome. I told you I'd never forget you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So there are a couple of things here, but I think the main thing I would say here is look at what's going on in your local community. There's some there's almost always something going on in your local community center. Yeah. Um your GP might be able to recommend something. So ask about in your local community. Mm-hmm. One of the first things that came to mind when you asked me this question was PD warriors. That's mm-hmm. P the Papa Delta and that's for Parkinson's disease okay. so for anybody that is living with Parkinson's disease condition then you can do PD Warriors or a variation of this PD Warriors again go speak to you could you could do a Google search you can go and speak to your GP about it community centers all that sort of stuff go and ask go and mm-hmm. ask the question do you have anything that you think I might benefit from and okay. try it out they're usually pretty low cost yeah. For cerebral palsy, there I found there is up movement. Um, now I have supply, uh, provided a link in the notes that I've gave you there. Yeah, you yeah. have. Yes. So go and check that out if you're living with cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Um, it also mentions in there. I've lost my page. Give me a second. Don't worry. So they also connect with neuro enhance, and I believe that this is some sort of like online class. Oh, right. Nice. It's £15 a session, pay as you go, and though. you can get discounts with block bookings. Cheaper than private therapy. Yeah, that's a lot. Though. That's really, that's really good cost, though. But this is the thing. Look, you know, physiotherapy can cost upwards of £40 an hour. You know, if you're in London, I think it can go beyond £100 an hour. Yeah, I you know? can imagine. But I could charge Carbon Therapy-wise, minimal in London. And this is just for my own therapy. It starts at, like, 90 quid. I bet it's gone up even more now since the cost of living crisis is so expensive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely so you know you yeah you need to kind of do your research find out what's out there there's lots of things out there that cover multiple conditions as well yeah. you know pd warriors is designed for people with parkinson's disease but it can also be beneficial for other people with neural conditions neurological conditions does that make sense absolutely there's one i think there's one uh i don't know if it's in mark but francesca my partner her um one of her relatives has um, MS and he goes to a yoga class designed for people with MS and he finds it really beneficial. Yeah. There's quite a lot. There is quite a lot out there. It's not you know, it's not hard to find, is it? Do you know what I mean? No, no absolutely. Places. Go and speak to your local community centre. Go and speak to your GP. See if there's anything that they can recommend that you can go to or partic- participate in. Another one I'm aware of from a recent lecture in university is they do a... Now, this is for anybody with any neurological condition. Mm-hmm. They do hydrotherapy. Sorry, no, they don't call it that anymore. It's called aquatic therapy. Okay. Used to be called hydrotherapy. Now, past. <laughs> yeah. Right. Did you find it useful? I did. I, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. Brilliant. Actually managed to shift a lot of weight. Would you ever go, can I ask, would you ever go back? Or is it? I, I, I'd be open to it. Just open to it. Right. Brilliant. Maybe it's about finding exercise you enjoy as well, Carl. You know, like before you said you weren't overly keen on the feeling. Maybe it's about what you enjoy as well. One hundred percent. 
And that is that is one bit of advice I will give to everybody out there. So everybody listening, find one activity you enjoy, do more of it. Hmm. If you enjoy it, you are much more likely to stick to it. So if you've got a weight loss goal, if you've got an activity goal that's linked to your mental health, anything, find something you enjoy, do more of it. If it's football, go and play football. If it's cycling, go and cycle. If it's strolling through the park at a leisurely pace, go and stroll through the park at a leisurely pace. Yeah, you know, anything, any kind of physical activity that you enjoy doing. What was it, Colin? What was it? I can't remember the blooming name of it now, but when I was on that lecturing course when I was training to do, do my lecturing, I told you about a, a bloke I was working with who is a doctor of, I think it's physiotherapy, actually. I think that's what, no, sport, sport, sport psychology and physiotherapy, he specialises in. Oh, brilliant. Uh, he's got a couple of disciplines. But he did something on, and I can't remember the name, of what's killing him. It's basically where we're stationary too much. What's it called, the name for it? He told me and I've forgotten it. Do you know? If not, we'll edit it out, don't worry. It's basically, it, it's, it, it's called something, something like static something, but I can't remember the actual. It's a sedentary lifestyle. That's it, sedentary lifestyle. Yeah sedentary lifestyle yeah he wrote papers on it basically how it's killing us essentially how we're not even doing enough exercise and it's essentially leading to slow death now for this current population yeah so there are plenty of books on this now where it's basically desk is killing you mm. now of course the desk isn't killing you but it's the inactivity that is slowly reducing your capacity for life yeah. you know or activity which again then impacts on your your life and capacity for that there's there's loads of books on this now so if you're interested in reading more on it please just go on amazon or to your local bookstore you know and just ask i will i want to learn about sedentary lifestyle and how it's impacting our lives really libraries awesome. are also another option they are of course i always forget the library i don't i just it's somewhere I don't go very much, which is really bad. We don't need to anyway. It's a shame, isn't it? It is a shame. I know. Yeah. yeah. I've started going now because of Evelyn does um, story time every Wednesday at two. So we oh. go, she's got her own little book card. So that's quite nice. That's it's adorable. Uh, Taylor recommended it actually, Carl. And it was Taylor who came up with the idea. Yeah, Taylor. Taylor. So Taylor's my fiance for all the listeners out there. Um, she she goes quite often with the, with the kids, but... For some reason, it's just, it's something that evades me every time. I used yeah. to go to the library as a child, but now I just think it's convenience. I can just go yeah. online and order yeah, a book, yeah. you know. It makes it, and it's audio now and everything, isn't it? It's not like, it's not like yeah. it's where libraries where you go to place, wasn't it? Very aware that yeah. I'm white because of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> You're being bleak. I am. Very <laughs> <laughs> right, but what, what question are we on, my friend? Is it number nine? We are on eight, eight actually. Yeah. Question eight. Do you believe more exercise regimes should be prescribed by practitioners for people with mental health problems, i.e. providing they're able to do this? Yeah, so, right, a couple things on this. So, of course, exercise helps a lot of things, but it's important to note that it's not, by any stretch of the imagination, a magic pill that's going to take all your worries of life away from you. It's mm -hmm. not going to do that. It's something that you should see more as a basic foundation of health, that you should aim to do it along with the guidelines. Again, the American College of Sports Medicine guidelines indicate 150 minutes of walking per week, which covers your aerobic training, and then twice a week strength conditioning and twice a week stretching. They're the guidelines from the American College of Sports Medicine. But it's important to note that certain people that are in more manual jobs, such as builders and laborers, that sort of thing, they are more active anyway. Mm. 
So they are more likely to cover those basic guidelines. Maybe just add a bit of stretching. Maybe because you're lifting heavy stuff all the time. Maybe go to the gym just to keep your strength. You don't want to grow older and then realize one day that you can no longer pick up that heavy tool. Mm. You know, in terms of it being prescribed by practitioners, I think every practitioner should absolutely say, do you exercise? If no, why not? Is there anything you can do to improve your exercise regime yes. or activity levels? 100%. Whether or not they should prescribe it, different ball game. Because that's a bit like saying you should go and play football twice yeah. a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically you could. It would be it would be terrible policy football, wouldn't it? The, the disability football. Yeah. Just not the not the, the usual. Not the usual. Yeah, again, it's look, what we've got to understand here that not everybody is trained like a physiotherapist. Not everybody's trained yeah. like a personal trainer. So they won't necessarily understand as much as our specialist roles. As a physiotherapist, I can turn around to you and say, Yes, you should go and do this exercise and you should do it, you know, every day, every hour, five times. But as a doctor, they're not they're not trained in that way. Their clinical expertise are different to mine just like my clinical expertise are different to theirs and to a nurse and to a speech and language therapist yeah. mm-hmm. you know sure go out there speak to a personal trainer speak to a physiotherapist but your doctor is not going to be able to prescribe you exercise if that makes sense no. they can tell you to exercise more but they wouldn't necessarily know what exercise you should do do you think it should be introduced into curriculums for doctor for gps though i'm interested in their courses or not I am of the belief, and I welcome anybody to correct me here, but their curriculum is heavy enough. Right, fair enough. I just meant more because of the, 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 the as you were saying, the over, well, I know you won't tell you about it specifically, but at times the over-prescription of, of the pharmaceuticals and drugs. Yeah, so again, this is just, a, I think there's a few issues here in that doctors have 10 minutes with their patients. Yeah. Your GPs have 10 minutes with the patients and that's to write up notes as well, right? So you've got 10 minutes to see your patient, speak to them about what their current condition is or problem. And then you've got to write up the notes on that as well in that 10 minute slot and provide a treatment as well. If that's an option, put it this way. As a physiotherapist, I get about 20 minutes, half an hour with my client. Okay. Yeah? That's a lot more time than a doctor's got. Mm. And I can specifically assess them for if they've got a musculoskeletal issue, if they've got a kind of respiratory issue or whatever else it could be, I can assess them quickly with my expertise and say, right, okay, we need to do this. Let's do more of it. Here's your homework. You should do this three times a day, blah, 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 blah. You know, a doctor on the other hand, they haven't got the time to explain the problem, to explain the problem, explain the treatment, and then explain the homework that they need to do and make sure, here's the key thing, make sure that the patient, the person that they are facing, fully understands the reason why they're doing it and the actual process of doing it. Mm. You know, I can look at someone do a squat and spend the time with them to make sure they do it right. Yeah. The doctor, on the other hand, does not have that privilege. They do not have the time. Absolutely. If so I if did it... that, I'd, do, I'd fall on the floor. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> okay, so a, a doctor couldn't tell you, Craig, go and do a bench press. You know, they can't yeah. make sure that you're doing a bench press correctly. They don't have the time to do that. No. I have the privilege of being able to spend that little bit more time with you, make sure you're doing it right, and make sure you understand why you're doing it as well. Sure. 
Uh, but you see, that's why I think there should be more cohesive relationships between doctors and physiotherapists. Yeah, so th there's a lot more work going into uh, what we call the multidisciplinary team, or shortened to the MDT. And that is basically the different roles within the National Health Service working together. So when I'm on placement, I'm working with the nurses, I'm working with the doctors, I'm working with the speech and language therapists, I'm working with the occupational therapists, and everybody in between, even even the porters, you know. Amazing. The, port the porters are there to take people from A to B to do whatever they need to do, the scans or whatever. Don't and push them, they can walk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, to a degree, there is that, you know, yeah. but... We all have to work together. For, for the NHS to work, we all have to work together. All our disciplines need to come together. Yeah. Unification. Yeah. Otherwise, we're all just beating heads together. Yeah, sure. You know? And that's no good for anybody. It creates more arguments than it does solve problems. Absolutely. Mm. And the ninth question we have for you into the future. Tell us what exercise and fitness looks like in the future how do you see it so right so there has been a seismic shift hasn't it carbon in terms of gym culture of the last kind of 10 years it, it looks interesting doesn't it going yeah forward? yeah so so you just asked uh, nine and ten haven't you sorry right okay so the future for me i'm close to finishing my second year out of my three years at university i'm very much looking forward to spending more time on placement and learning more about my role as a physiotherapist but I'm also considering more of a role in the sports and exercise fields as well. Nice. Um, one of my considerations is doing a strength and conditioning course after my degree. But part of me wants to go into physiotherapy straight away without having that kind of extra knowledge. I'm not sure yet. Mm. You know. The world is your oyster. The world is your oyster, yeah. You know, and... There's so many avenues I can go down. Like like we talked about earlier, I could go into the equine industry, work with horses. But again, that's not for me. You know, there's loads of different things you can do. And I'm very much open to spending more time on placement. And who knows, I could end up going on a pediatric neurological placement and absolutely thoroughly enjoy working with children with neurological conditions it's all open to me and i'm i'm open to it all i, I want to take every single last minute of it and figure out where i want to go i don't think i've ever met a more enthusiastic uh physiotherapist yeah there aren't many there aren't many i've known i've known a, i've known a couple <laughs> of physiotherapists in my life but never one that's this enthusiastic yeah you're very passionate about your subject aren't you carbon very passionate. oh absolutely been there, haven't you? you always feel something i've been i remember remember uh, years ago even when you're in college you're into fitness weren't you i know i know it waned off yeah. so you've always come back to it haven't you it's always been there do you know what i mean yeah i think fitness is a massive part of my life yes yeah. life gets busy it gets in the way which affects me in so many different ways but i always come back to it because i find it so beneficial to my life yeah. you know i think one of the big key things calvin we can always get back to peak fitness again can't you that's what people forget is once it's over it can always come back can't it you know so it, it's it's yeah it's important to touch on that um with a little bit of caution because of course as we age you know yeah, you wouldn't expect course. a 60 year old to have the same fitness level as someone who's 20 now it does happen it does absolutely happen. Yeah, I, I actually heard of a case. Now, I've not fact-checked this, so, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. But I heard of a woman who 
had a she went into a coma and they were about to turn off her life support and a day before they were going to turn off her life support she woke up she came back into consciousness now at the time she'd been in bed for months very deconditioned what i mean by deconditioned is muscle wastage and the body's very sedentary for a long period of time it it doesn't need the muscle anymore it doesn't need that strength so she then had to train to build herself back up working with the physios working with potentially personal trainers and of course other clinical experts and five months after she woke up from the coma she ran a marathon wow it apparently she has very recently just completed the boston marathon wow so if anyone wants to fact check that for me please go ahead i don't know how true it is but I heard that. I thought that's very incredible. If it is true, that sounds unbelievable. Yeah, you know, you hear miracle stories like that a lot, don't you? Where people come back and achieve great things. You know what I mean? Through that, yeah, seen stuff like that. It wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Yeah. So miracles can happen. Of course, it takes hard work, exercise, progressing in exercise is a hard thing. Not going to lie to you, but we can all do it. It's all about knowing your limitations. Like you say, it's, you know, like you said about, again, it's not about ageism, it's about kind of like knowing peak fitness for a six-year-old might be very different from a 30-year-old kind of thing. Absolutely. But there are variables and it can differentiate. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you've got the host of other kind of foundations that we need to address. Our diet, how much time we spend, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sedentary, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 23-7 at the moment. Really? Because <laughs> I'm sat down. Oh, I'm sorry. sat down all the time. Sorry, I thought you had a sky guy. I missed the joke. My apologies. My apologies. Hi. It's okay. We accept everybody on this channel. And uh, what does the future of exercise and mental health look like, do you think? As an so, industry, what does it look like? As an industry, look, I think the the kind of fitness industry, it's, it's had a very mixed bet recently you know there's been a lot of toxic culture and there's been some very positive culture i'm seeing a lot of things out there there's one guy that i keep seeing i think he goes by joey swole on instagram and i keep seeing him kind of praising people for doing things that they should do in the gym for being kind in the gym helping people in the gym but there was a phase where people were being very toxic in the gym as well so people were talk we're talking people they'll take videos of themselves flexing in the bathroom mirror when there's somebody using the shower behind them yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. So we're seeing these the two sides of the same coin here. Hopefully we can shift it into a more positive light. There's entrapment as well, isn't there, Carlin? We've, we've spoken, but we, me and Carlin were speaking about this the other day where this, this doesn't approach appro- all, all, this, this encompasses all genders, by the way. But a lot of people have been trying to catch people out wrongly where they're actually not per- um, being perverted in gyms, haven't they? Where they've kind of said, this person's looking at me and it's turned out the person's not being. Whilst it's very important, by the way, to call out people who are being that way, they found in gyms a culture of what they call entrapment, don't they? Which is quite concerning as well. Yes, yes. That, we've, we've seen some of that as well. But again, hopefully we're moving into a more positive light there's less of this toxic kind of nature certainly in my experiences going to the gym i don't do it very much anymore because i've got a personal gym but in my previous experience it's been quite positive now i don't know if that's just me ignoring everybody else in the gym but I've, i've never had any issues in the gym and everyone that i've talked to the gym has had a positive experience there yeah i can attest to that yeah and i think there's there's absolutely 
more of a movement now for getting people more active with mental health conditions as well so people that are depressed people that have anxiety all that sort of stuff people are trying to get them into the gym more and again it's it's this it's touching on this foundation that is very often missing from people's lives no i completely agree with you and question number 11 there is no question 11 written but it's a question that i have for you okay yeah what is your rate per hour please my rate per hour yeah i don't have one because i'm not yet a qualified physiotherapist excellent but in terms of personal training in terms of personal training so it's not something that i've been working on recently when i was a personal trainer now bear in mind this was 2017 so i'd have Mm -hmm. to revise my rates it was 30 pounds an hour do you know what that's not bad it was Oh, cost of living's gone up, my friend. I mean, got got mouths to feed now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's one of those things I keep thinking about. Maybe I should get back into it, but um, I'm I'm quite busy with the children and stuff now. Totally. And anybody wants any help, feel free to send me a message. I just can't guarantee I'm going to get back to you straight away. You're still I can't on Instagram, aren't you, Carbon? As well, you've, you've I'm still on Instagram. Made. Yeah, um, I was more I, thinking for myself, really. Well, I suppose it's something you guys could have a conversation <laughs> about, isn't it, Carvin? Absolutely, like yeah. You know, reach out to me, Craig. I'm more than happy to help you where I can. Like I say, it may not lead to me being your personal trainer. We'd have to review the situation. Obviously. Uh, but yeah. Okay, so I am on Instagram. If anybody wants to write this down and add me or follow me, whatever, is Calvin J. Williamson. J stands for Jordan. So it's at Calvin J. Williamson. And that's where you can find me on Instagram if you wish to follow. Um, Sorry? Jordan like the country. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a nice little plug for you. Fantastic. No, that's great. And I guess we're just going to quickly go through these statistics you've given us, Calvin, really. Yeah, please do. We always end on statistics, don't we, Craig? It seems to be a, a mantra, isn't it? So we'll start on this one. Uh, so we, we have a diagram here that says around one in three, 34% of men and one in two, 42% of women are not active enough for good health. And that's in the UK. That's Hello. according to the, the, the UK government. Wow. Wow, that, that's quite something. The next one is men are more likely to report being active at the recommended level than women. That surprises me. Wow. I don't know why, but it's interesting that because women are very, you know, I mean, this was a feminist. Women are very predominant in the in the gym and, and exercise culture, aren't they, Carl? If not, you see, but absolutely, I do with men actually, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So again, female the, PTs as well, isn't they? I'm physiotherapist. We've got to remember that this is about reporting. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this may not actually be statistically true, but this is what they are reporting. If that makes sense. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. And only 20% of Americans meet aerobic and strength minimum guidelines. Yeah, so just touching on that, your aerobic stuff is your walking, your, your cardio stuff, basically. Whereas, of course, your strength, we're talking anything involved with getting stronger. Mm. Absolutely. It'd be interesting, like, imagine places in Africa, because a lot of African, I mean, very mixed in Africa, people do all different kinds of jobs. But there's a lot of manual labour in Africa and places like that, isn't it? I reckon there's a lot more fitness kind of. And we've seen that in sports, haven't we? In places like that, where they they are extremely fit and they work really hard. And you know, I was thinking like about Scandinavia and you know, and, and Asia. I wonder, wonder what the statistics are like from there as well. It must be, it must be so interesting to see the differences. You know, 
Absolutely. That might be something to uh, have a bit of research on. Absolutely. Saying that, it would, it would vary as well, though, because countries depend on size as well, don't they, Carlton, which is the other, the other side of things. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, of course, there are some improvements in cardiovascular and respiratory function, such as increased maximal oxygen uptake, resulting from both central and peripheral adaptations. Yeah, so... Basically, what that means is our muscles' ability. So, centrally, it would be kind of um, your, your torso, where all your major organs lie stomach, heart, lungs, all the rest of it. Your peripheral will be your mainly muscles in your peripheral regions, i.e., your hands, arms, legs, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And uh, reduced resting cyanotic diastosic pressure in cardiovascular disease yep so reducing your systolic um, and diastolic pressure is basically saying reducing your blood pressure okay good to know and decreased morbidity and mortality primary prevention i.e interventions to prevent the initial occurrence of that yeah so primary prevention of basically what he's saying it alludes to this a bit further down is the higher activity and or fitness levels are associated with lower death rates from coronary artery disease cad mm-hmm. yeah so it's not just coronary artery disease that's also heart attacks strokes diabetes you know any any sort of health condition because again it's the the more oxygen we can take the more our body can fuel itself so the better the body is at cleaning Mm. you you know you gotta think about it like you're paying the cleaners yeah you're paying the builders all the rest of it with oxygen that makes sense Mm. yeah that makes sense i really like that analogy that's really good yeah definitely (laughs) um and enhanced quality of life and quality of sleep and efficiency yeah yeah so you will see especially in sleep you will see if you go to the doctors and say to them i'm struggling with sleep nine times out of ten if not ten times out of ten the doctor your gp will to ask you how much do you exercise can you bring it up if it's on the low side and in terms of increased function of life you know you're talking can you play with your kids can you do all these activities of daily living that are increasing your quality of life? Mm. You know, can you walk to the shops or do you need someone else to do it? You know, all that sort of stuff. Exercise is so very important. You know, I see, I recently had a stint in the hospital on a placement Mm -hmm. where we had patients come in that had a very sedentary lifestyle. In fact, I remember one patient specifically who was she had no lower limb strength now this this wasn't because of a neurological condition this wasn't because of traumatic injury this was just deconditioning because she just couldn't be bothered it's really okay. sad that though, isn't it, Carl? Because almost, the image that I get up there is like somebody I don't mean it sound horrible to it, but wasting away and decaying that's essentially what happens you're dying aren't you in in some sorts of in in, in a manner of speaking slow sure but it's still it's still coming isn't it yeah so this lady comes she she comes into the hospital she's very poorly again she's got no lower limb strength she can't even sit up in bed without being propped up to keep her in a single position you know somewhere down the line 
this woman decides, actually, no, I want to be able to do stuff. And so we got working with her. And by the time I left, she was able to stand up by herself. This woman had been there for five weeks out of this six-week placement. Wow. And at the end, she just decided, you know what? I want to go home, but that means I need to actually be able to move and do stuff myself. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to a care home. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's changed for her. She realized, I'm not going home. I have to go to a care home unless... The penny drops. I get up, you know. So she starts working and she, she starts building herself back up. She's able to stand with assistance, but she's able to stand, you know. And this, this is a mental thing. She wasn't, she, she was an older woman, but she wasn't 90. She wasn't 100, you know. She, I think, I, I can't remember her age exactly, but she wasn't tremendously old, mm-hmm. you know. It's incredible. And just through doing that exercise with us, she's able to increase her activities of daily life, her quality of living, so that she can go back home, live with her family, go and see her family, and not just be stuck to her bed. Absolutely. Shows the value of the work you guys do as well. That it clearly saves lives as well. And yeah, absolutely. And, prolong, and prolongs them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, unfortunately, physiotherapy is more of a preventative measure. Mm. But again, it's touching on those foundation points. Mm-hmm. If we do not work on the foundations, the building's going to collapse. Absolutely. If we let those foundations crumble, the building's doomed from the start. It's good. It's, good. it's a good analogy to mine. And I think that's a great place to finish. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Greg, for you personally? Or? Just thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's been great to speak to you and chat to you and get your perspective on things. It's great to learn because we're, we're here to learn, aren't we? We yeah. are. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. We, we, we are not. We are not know-it-alls. And sometimes we have to get other people involved. He's looking at me now, Calvin. It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, Calvin. <laughs> oh, I've got one for you, Calvin. What's a yeah. good exercise program for somebody who's amazing at FIFA? For someone who's amazing at FIFA, right, okay. Or who might cheat. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the exercise we use for people that are amazing at FIFA are burpees. Okay. Oh, and what we have to do is we have to do 100 repetitions of burpees 10 times a day. Wow, that's horrendous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... For anybody that doesn't know what a burpee is, it's kind of a press up mixed in with a jump squat. Yeah, it's hideous. They are a horrific exercise. Well, thingy <laughs> using, don't they, Carl, in the um, special ops? That's how that's how thingy they are, the special yeah, ops. Yeah, they You're listen. Burpees are tremendously good for building your overall stamina because it uses every single part of your body and you have to use power, strength, balance and endurance to make it through it, is. it taps into every single one of our kind of core principles of exercise so i'm in trouble yeah get moving to do those burpees right well we'll call it there guys but thank you for tuning in and we'll look forward to the next episode won't we craig Excellent. and again thank you again carvin you're a superstar thank you Thanks, for having Calvin. it's been great Thank you.